Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I hope everybody's paying attention today because we have Lauren Brill calling in from Miami, and she just released a book called Unsealed to help people around the world. And so I want to welcome you to the show. Lauren, how are you doing today? Thank you. Uh, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. I know you've been a broadcaster and, and, and been in front of the camera, and I read your story of what happened to you in New York. Tell me a little bit about how you transitioned from the front of the camera and kind of taking your passion to in this direction to speak to the world, if you will. So while I was a sportscaster in Cleveland, I started writing a blog. Um, I was a writer prior to my time on air. I was a writer for NBA.com. I wrote a little bit for ESPN, um, Nike Women. So I had a background in writing. I enjoyed writing as a child and I did very well in school, um, especially in college, writing papers. So I knew I had a little bit of a knack for writing. And I started writing a blog and I wrote a piece about my hair going curly or wearing my hair curly on air. And that went viral. And I ended up on um, the Michaela show on HLN, CNN's uh, sister network. And I wrote a piece, um, some social justice pieces, and those those went viral. And everything I kept writing went went viral. So then uh, a friend of mine, we did a story about her. Her story was about being in an abusive relationship. Her story was really powerful and her story went viral. And I asked her why she shared her story. And she said, it's because the silence of victims allow predators to continue their predatory behavior. So when she told me that, I really uh, thought it was time that I shared my secret. I didn't really tell a lot of people what happened to me when I was 16 years old. Um, I was drugged and assaulted by two strangers at a party. And I ended up writing a letter to sexual assault survivors telling them what happened and telling them basically the message was, you know, what hurts you doesn't have to hold you back. And I didn't want to just write what happened. I wanted to write it to someone because I wanted my story to have a purpose. It wasn't woe is me. It was, hey, this is what happened and this is where I am and this is what I'm doing. So don't give up and I wanted a message and the letter went viral and when the letter went viral. I mean, I had athletes on the Cleveland Browns cause I was in Cleveland, um, tweeting out, we got your back. We believe in you. We support you. We, um, the same thing happened to my, to my mother or my sister. And, and I just got so much love and support from the community, the sports community, the Cleveland community and, and the world really that I felt super empowered and I felt free and I felt liberated from the secret that I had been carrying. And I felt like it had turned into a superpower because this thing that was my secret was suddenly had a way to help people and inspire people. It was in that moment that I decided that I wanted to do something bigger with this concept and this idea. And I started my own company called The Unsealed. And when I started, I just was writing open letters for other people. So I would interview somebody and then I would ghostwrite their story for them because expecting, you know, everyone to write their own story was a little bit much. But if the same way I sought, um, I sought people out for a story when I was a sportscaster, I would seek people out, um, as a writer for the unsealed. So I would go up to someone and say, Hey, you have an interesting story. Can I interview you and write your story for you? So I'd write the letter for them and then they would check it and say, Hey, this is true to my voice. This is true to my story. Sometimes they'd make a few edits. Maybe I spelled their mother's name wrong, whatever it was. And then we publish it on the, on the uh, unsealed and 
that is now basically what has made up this book. I've interjected between each chapter my own story, um, but there's different stories about addiction, stories about um, discrimination, stories about trauma um, in the book. It's very diverse collection, diverse people. Some people you've heard of, um, Mark Cuban's brother, Brian Cuban, wrote about the challenges of being the brother of a billionaire in the sense that for a long time, he kind of said, well, what's my place in the world? Uh, Gretchen Carlson wrote a little bit about her experiences, gender discrimination throughout her career. Um, we had people who were in prison for murder that shared their stories. So it's definitely a very, very diverse collection. Um, now the company, The Unsealed, has opened up so that anybody can sign up for our community and post their stories. So it's not just me ghostwriting. Um, that was just kind of how we got started the first couple of years with ghostwriting, me ghostwriting all the stories. And one after the other went viral. I mean, our stories have gotten picked up by um, ESPN, New York Post, San Francisco Chronicle, ABC. So pretty much every major news outlet in the country has picked up one of the stories that I ghost wrote. So that was initially how we got off the ground. And then I was able to garner enough attention that I was able to open it up to everyone to then create a community where people share their own stories and submit them themselves. I mean, how do you feel now after going through what you went through? I mean, is was this what what do you feel like this is doing for people? Is it a way to get this initiate getting this off their chest and, and kind of releasing that energy and that and that pain? Yeah, there has been a lot of um, studies or science scientific studies at universities that are very reputable um, that say just the nature of holding a secret, having to hold a secret in creates feelings of shame, creates feeling of feelings of anxiety. So just letting a secret out is uh, a release, is relieving, is um, cathartic. And then writing, there's also been research, um, a lot of research by a professor at the, at Penn State University. I can't think of his name right now. I did read his book though um, and talk to him a bit, but the research has shown that writing out your feelings will improve your physical health, will improve your athletic performance, will make it less likely for you to catch a cold or um, even sometimes some people will get asthma or things like that. Some of those things are less likely. Uh, writing actually has the power, similar power of conventional therapy because it's a release of your feelings, a release of your emotions. So it's taking the things that are ruminating in your head and just letting them out. It's freeing yourself. So this platform is a place where people can really free themselves of the burdens that they're carrying and let go of any shame that they feel. And then people in the community, we just have a really nice community. So they get responses like you inspire me or I felt the same way or you're not alone. So I think on top of having that release, they also get um, almost like a hug, a virtual hug from people by getting feedback that's positive and reinforcing and um, comforting. So I think I, and I think, too, when people read someone else's story, I know when I shared mine because I shared mine before the Me Too movement. So people talking about sexual violence wasn't as prevalent. So a lot of people came back to me and said, I never told anybody this, but this is what happened to me. And when I say a lot of people, it was right down to my own mother who said to me, you know, I never really talked about it. But here are the things that happened to me. And so there are so many people that are carrying things that when you share, it kind of gives them the green light to be like, OK, this is a safe space for me to share as well. So it creates a domino effect, too, of, you know, this, on all different uh, topics, not just sexual violence, for people to share something and then someone else that feels safe to share as well. Now, this, now this pain that you had, I mean, how do you think this affected your, your life directly? 
I was so young when it happened. I was 16. I was young. I was innocent. I am sure that I am not the same person that I would have been had this not happened for better and maybe for worse. I don't know. I don't know who I would have been had this not happened. It's so much a part of me. I mean, I'm in my late thirties and I still like when I'm in a dark parking lot at night, I make my boyfriend walk me. Like I can't, I get scared still. I've learned to manage some of those things. Um, but it's also taught me, and I tell young girls this too, that if at 16 years old, I turned around and I got into an Ivy League school and I went and achieved my dream of becoming a sportscaster, if I still did everything that I planned to do, despite something so traumatizing happen at, happening at such a young age and not knowing how to process it or deal with it, and I, and I figured it out, there's nothing that can stop me. You know, that's I think that it gave me the confidence to start my business. If I could go through that at 16 years old, then my 33-year-old self can start a company. Then my 38-year-old self can build an empire. Then my, you know, 50-year-old self can do whatever the heck I want. You know, like every version of myself I now I believe is stronger because it has the foundation of knowing that my 16-year-old self persevered through something really, really hard that could have gone a lot of different ways. So I think it also gave me the confidence that, that I'm strong and perseverant and resilient. So I think there's good and there's bad. I'm probably more anxious than the average person, but I'm also probably more of a fighter than the average person. I talk to a lot of neuroscientists and, and talk about, you know, sensibilities. And I, th I think, you know, sensibilities can, you know, can go either way. It can go light or dark. And a lot of people don't know how to let that go. I mean, for some reason, it's we I think because we give ourselves away uh, through the structure of society to some extent, because we when I say we give ourselves away, we don't create any value internally for ourselves. I, I don't think based on the structure of society. So I think a lot of times you know, darkness can enter through fear. And I think mm -hmm. that's because we're giving ourselves away. Have you ever thought about anything like that about, you know, how to try to deal with this about, you know, creating value for yourself where maybe you don't harbor this pain as much as you would have, you know, if you had value, because like I said, when you give yourselves away and you're hollow inside, it's easy way yeah. for it to come in. It's easier way to harbor it. Have you ever thought about any that kind of process? I think, you know, I've said a lot that I would never want what happened to me to happen to anyone else. But with that said, I would never change my journey because it made me who I am. And I really like who I am. And I really like how I've been able to use what happened to me as um, a launching pad to help other people. Um, I think that when trauma happens, there's a lot of different ways you can go. Uh, a lot of people talk about PTSD, but there's also something called post-traumatic growth. And 30 to 70% of people, which is obviously not a very clear number, it's a large range, but they say 30 to 70% of people who experience trauma experience post-traumatic growth, which is in some way or another, they are better, they are stronger um, than they were before that traumatic thing happens. Um, th the example I use for kids is if you think about a kid who maybe missed the game-winning shot at a at the state championship game from, you know, the top of uh, the key or whatever, um, maybe that summer he practices that shot every day, 10 hours a day. And now all of a sudden that's his best best shot, you know, um, and now he's better than he would have been had he not missed that shot. I think that happens in life too. Like we, we go through something hard and then we end up like almost overcompensating in some ways. We become more compassionate or we become, become more driven. I had a lot of post-traumatic growth and you can have 
post-traumatic growth and PTSD simultaneously. So you can have trauma and have, and have, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder and also have growth at the same time. And I think it's a lot of self-awareness managing it. I also came from a really great family. I like always want to give my parents credit before my assault. I was just in a loving family. I was a very confident kid. I had, I was a very good athlete. I was a good student. So I had a really, really solid foundation of confidence and love and support, um, which I think also helps make you more resilient and helps keep darkness out. Um, and then my mom always used to say to me, you know, as a kid, you were one I never worried about. If you fell down in the sport, you got back up. If you got rejected by something, you always fought even harder. So I think there's also something internally in me that just drives me. Um, even with I, when I'm scared to walk, walk in parking lots, which I still am, but it's manageable now. It was not manageable at first. I would get so scared that I would, I would cry from walking alone at night. Um, even on my college campus, I would get back to my dorm room if I walked alone at night and just cry from all the stress and anxiety I felt walking alone. What helped me is my dreams were stronger than my fears. I wanted to be a sportscaster. You can't be a sportscaster and not walk in a parking lot at night because games are at night. I had to be able to get from the arena to my car at night. My dreams were stronger than my fears. And I pushed myself and I pushed myself. And you know, some nights I was able to ask someone to walk me and some nights I wasn't. And I wanted the dream more than I was willing to give into the fear. So I think that's part of it too. So it's it's a personal journey for everyone. I think everyone has a different way that they can, a motivation to, to block out the darkness. Maybe someone has children and they don't, they want to be better for their children. But mine was my dreams, my family, my internal drive that helped me push out darkness. When do you realize you can handle it? You know, because I think, you know, I think there's a lot of people, like you said, 37%. A lot of people can internalize things. They have a very strong mindset. They have something innate in them. Let's say you don't have that innate drive in you or just the fear is overwhelming, right? Because there are a few that, that are going to be out there that have this overwhelming fear. What would you say would be the first step? You know, I realize you write the, you know, the open letters, but is there anything outside of the open letter or thought process you would give somebody that may be extremely fearful, may be extreme, have a, you know, high anxiety. Yeah. My, my advice would be to give yourself grace. Healing doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen with one letter. Usually, usually people write after they've healed a little bit. It's almost like, um, for me, writing my letter was the finality more of my heal. It's when I became what left stopping a victim, stopping a survivor. And it's when I became a fighter. So I think giving yourself grace, I took a really long time to even process what happened to me to really admit like this actually happened. Um, so healing doesn't happen overnight and it's okay to be on your own watch and your own timetable. Not everyone. I didn't wake up the next morning and say, I was raped. I should go to the police. I should do this. I was like, what the F just happened? And I was like, let me tuck this away and put this somewhere else and keep on moving. And it took me time to really unravel and unwrap what had happened to me, how it affected me and what I wanted to do with that energy. I think it starts with giving yourself grace and letting yourself feel. And when you want to talk, talk. Also figure out what your coping mechanism is. It may not be writing. You may like to paint. You may like to sing. You may like to lock yourself in the room and listen to music, whatever it is, find a way to express yourself and find what makes you feel peaceful and relaxed and lets you heal. Um, so give yourself grace and find your own healing path. You think a lot of times that we, a lot of people bury certain things because they don't like the truth. Why, why do we not want to face the truth? 
about ourselves or about someone else. From my own experience and what I've read about trauma is sometimes the brain tucks things away as a A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Way to protect yourself. I, re- I, don't, I wasn't keeping a secret for a long time. It was just, I couldn't process it. That's the only way I can explain it. I could, I had to walk myself through of saying, okay, well, I wasn't conscious And then when I was conscious, I kept saying no, but I could barely speak because I was so, I was so sedated that I couldn't even like speak barely. Like I was so like, I was whispering the word no with my very best, but I had to literally walk myself through time and time again and tell myself what happened to be like, that's rape. Like this plus this equals rape. This plus this equals sexual assault. This plus this is, is, is not okay. Trauma is shocking to the brain. You know, we, it's shocking and the brain doesn't always process it, especially children. This is especially true. And I was 16, which is, you know, you're not quite a child, but you're not quite an adult. Um, but you, when they look at children, like, you know, younger eight, they, they don't process it sometimes for 30 years, the brain tucks it away. Um, sometimes it, people, like if you re- research diseases, like, um, it used to be called multiple personality disorders, and now it has a different name. That disease is a response to trauma, childhood trauma, severe trauma. So it's the brain's response. Um, so I don't think that people don't want to admit the truth or face it. I just think that their brain is reacting in a very human way to protect themselves because our brains aren't built to be happy. They're built to survive. So it's a survival mechanism. And I think when your brain is like ready and you're you're, you're you reach a time in your life where you just can't hold it in anymore and your brain is ready to process it, it comes out. And for me, that was, you know, nine, 10 years later. I kind of get frustrated with a system because I talk about, I talk about things like the non-conscious, you know, the non-conscious and, you know, science stops at the non-conscious, right? And then because they don't allow philosophy or intuitiveness to be part of your life. And I think if they can redefine that and, and make people understand that, that your subconscious, you know, you're, you're born a non-conscious, that's what's in you, you're put in an environment, you know, if you leave the emotions out of that you, and you understand what innately is in you, you can predict where that person is going with no emotion. But once that emotion starts to be programmed, you know, through your subconscious, I, I think there's better, what I'm saying is I think there's a better way to define that, to be preventative. So if trauma does happen to you, you may have a little different mindset, you know, because people don't understand how strong, especially being a young person, you know, you, you become 25, 30 years old, that anxiety you had in the, in the parking lot is your unconscious bias responding to that programming of your subconscious of when you were younger. Do you think there's a way to be, 
you know, to kind of explain the, the process a little better. To be more proactive, you're saying? Making people understand how, how things are programmed at certain periods of your life. You know, so if trauma does happen, you can anticipate this because there's really nothing out there that is preventative. You can't prevent trauma, period, right? Like my parents couldn't prevent me from like living life and being out in the world. So you can't prevent trauma. But I I do think there's been research that, you know, if if you have a more sturdy childhood and more uh, an open dialogue with your parents uh, or in your home life, you're more likely to have be able to be resilient through trauma. Um, I do, I do think there's a genetic component to, to it too. I do think some people are more resilient, but there's so many things that, you know, so many experiences we have that can, you know, create whatever our recipe is f- for who we become. So I do think it's a sum of a lot of experiences. Uh, do I think there's like one way to make sure someone's resilient through trauma? I don't think anything's a guarantee. We're each individuals. We all have our own individual experience. I'm, I'm not a, you know, a neuroscientist. I, I speak from more my own experience and then my, my reading online. But um, I, I do think like, you know, if, if you build a solid foundation for a person, it's a lot harder to, to knock them down, right? So yeah. if somebody has a lot rockier foundation, they don't have a home home life or their parents are drug addicts or they, their parents never said, I love you. And something happens and it can be really catastrophic. Whereas if a child comes from a home where the mother says, I love you every day and they have food on the table and they don't worry about things and there's a lot of support. I think if something happens, it's there's less of a chance that it's catastrophic and it's something that they can work their way through. So I, I, I don't think there's like one way to prevent it, but I do think having a solid foundation in life, having a solid support system, having a positive environment, you know, makes it more likely. I read something about resilience that said, if you have three times as many positive experiences in the day to negative ones, you are more likely to be resilient. So if you think yeah. about like filling a cup, if we fill a cup with more water, if we lose a little water, we'll still have a lot of water. But if we only have a little water in the cup and then we lose some water, we're empty, right? So if yeah. you constantly fill up that positivity and create a solid foundation, um, when something does you know, hit you, you'll, you'll be more resilient against it as opposed to if you're just surrounded by negativity and then something comes at you, it's a lot harder to deal with. There's, there's only one quantum field. So if you understand there's only one quantum field, you know, I can pretty much eliminate any biases that you may have. So I guess what I'm saying is, I mean, and just to give you a little background on me, is I talked to neuroscientists from all over the world, from Gile Joe, he's at Cambridge, you know, a lot of very intellectual people. And, we, and I'm a clairsentient as well. So I feel, I can feel things, I can feel a room. But I, I did this video about one quantum field. And, you know, when and you, and you talk about this time of the year and talking about how everybody's connected. I guess what I'm saying is, if the community, if the, the medical community, whoever it is, would define the structure of what people, when someone's born and how, you know, processes of life can affect you, would be preventative. It's not, it's not necessarily preventing trauma. Trauma will happen. But if you understand how your body functions from the time you're born and what you digest, yeah, I'm saying everybody's connected on one quantum field. So this, like during this, the holidays, you feel spirit, you feel the goodness, you cause everybody's connected, you know? So if we care, what I'm saying is just understanding that piece of the puzzle. If we carry this attitude through the whole year, we could feel that the whole year. 
I'm just yeah. I'm just on this big kick of, you know, we're on one quantum field. It needs to be explained better. You know, science needs to let, you know, when when intuitiveness and philosophy is one third of law of attraction, that needs to be put out in the world. You know, that's yeah. when we have law of attraction. I'm just talking yeah. about and this this is pretty deep, but this is these are things I try to unearth. So I try to apply it to you know, your circumstance and what you're doing. But I think knowledge is power from the beginning, if that makes sense. I'm not a medical professional and I've done no uh, studies on any of this. I only speak from personal experience and from what I've seen. But with that said, you know, I was a sportscaster, right? You get a concussion, mm -hmm. you could get 10 concussions and be perfectly fine. And someone else could get 10 concussions and have um, CTE or have um, Parkinson's or Parkinson's-like symptoms or, or Lou Gehrig's disease, whatever it is. So what that tells me, what why I say that is because just like physically, like something can happen and people have a different response, I think emotionally that happens too. Not everyone has the same exact response to the same exact circumstances. Um, there We are all genetically built just a little bit differently. So I think it's hard to say like X happens and Y is going to happen. I think there's some broad like generalizations they can make you know if you if x happens this person will probably feel somewhere in the range of y right but i don't think it's at it can be as um i don't think it's as simple as like if x happens and a is going to happen and you can describe the exact circumstance so i think that the com medical community and that the this community of um, mental health is really built around diversity and the diversity of experiences and the diversity of responses to those experiences. And it's built on some generalizations, some commonalities. But at the end of the day, if you get hit in the head, you're more likely to get CTE, but it's no guarantee. You could be perfectly fine, right? Like, so there's no, with physical health or mental health, there's no, um, there's no necessarily like concrete um, action and consequence. That, and that's just my opinion. This isn't my area yeah. of expertise. I'm just well, somebody who likes to interview people and write. <laughs> you know, that's the Newtonian effect. You know, if you have something innately in you and and there's a way of life and there's a structure to periods of your life, if you can yeah. put not the knowledge in people's hands. Yeah. Right, Self-awareness is a great thing. Yeah. And I, I myself did a lot of research about the effects of sexual assault on someone. I mean, I remember when I was 24 years old, I went on Rain uh, as website, R-A-I-N-N.org. Um, and it's a website for, it's a nonprofit for sexual violence survivors. And I looked at all the, the um, long-term side effects for people who are, are survivors. And I want, I crossed off each one until I didn't have any, like I really researched it and really was very conscious about that. Um, so I think having information and knowledge in any field of life, whatever you do, whatever you are experiencing is always valuable, right? Like if you're have an issue with addiction, knowing what helps other people is always helpful because then you can try it and see if it works for you. So I think, yeah, knowledge, the more knowledge we have, the more information we have about what we're, what we're facing, the adversity we're facing and, and the opponent we're up against, more tools we'll have to try and fight it. And what is your, what is your ultimate goal with Unsealed? Um, so it's the Unsealed is the company and the Very book unsealed. is called Unseal Your Superpowers. So my ultimate goal is to just help as many people as possible, create um, a huge library of, of stories and, and 
place for people to feel safe to interact and share and encourage each other. It's really a community about love and positivity. Everyone's welcome. And hopefully we can open people's minds, open people's hearts. Hopefully it helps it helps people see humanity in everyone. If we can see humanity in everyone, I think we'll be kinder to to people who maybe look different than us or people who have different experiences than us. Maybe, you know, maybe after this interview, you're more likely to ask a woman, hey, do you want me to walk you to your car at night? Because you're more aware of just someone else's feelings. You know, I've dated a lot of guys who are like six, five and like super athletic and they're, they're totally not scared to walk in a parking lot at night. So they're almost surprised that I am because it's not their lived experience. But once they're aware of my experiences, they're like, Oh yeah, no problem. I'll walk you. Right. Like they, they get it then. So a lot of times we're just not aware of other people's, um, the lens in which other people see the world and feel the world and experience. But when we share, we are more likely to become more compassionate and understanding and help each other. So I hope with each story, people heal themselves and inspire someone else and also educate people on how to help each other. And from a personal note, I, I would like to do more books. Um, a lot of the books we do, this one I wrote in full, I ghost wrote all the letters, but we do a lot of other books where I take letters from the community that the people submitted and I turn them into anthologies. They still own the copyright. Um, they just give us a license to put it in the book and they give us their permission and we create books that way too. I also would like to one day do a show based on some of these incredible stories and people's, um, people's spoken word and, and their, and their hearts and sharing people's hearts with the world, making sure everyone feels like they have a voice and that their story matters. So just keep growing the company and using as many different media platforms as we can, whether it be digital, um, book publishing, or maybe one day streaming. You um, talked about your mother earlier. Where, where are your roots from? Where are you originally from and where'd you grow up? Yeah, I grew up um, just outside New York City, Rockland County. Both my parents are from New York City and my dad's from the Bronx. And my mother is from Queens and they both uh, moved to Rockland County when they were about 12, 13 years old. And they met in their 20s, and that's where they raised my brother and I. Now, are you Italian? Jewish. 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 Ashkenazi. Jewish. What? Now, what but part I of the world? I Italian. A lot of people think I'm Italian. Yeah, my mother looks what, Italian. What part of the family is, what part of the world is the family originally from? So I have eight great-grandparents from eight different countries that all met here. So they all left, you know, before the Holocaust. They all met here um, in in New York City, came here pretty young. Uh, my family has been here, so I'm I'm at least fourth uh, fourth generation, at least. So it's a whole yeah. bunch of different countries, eight different ones. I don't even know all of them, to be honest. I know I know like six of them, but they I all mean, met here. Now, after being in Miami, do you miss New York any? I love Miami. Um, no, I love New York, too. Do I miss New York? I go back a lot. You know, I was just there for two months. Um, I, I did. I still someone asked me to call some Princeton soccer games. I was a soccer player. So I was like, OK, I'll work from New York from for a couple months. My parents still have a place in New Jersey. They're back and forth between New Jersey and Florida. So um, I was able to stay there. So I was there for two months in the fall. I'm probably going to go back at the end of the month. So I still go there a lot. But I love the, the beach and the weather and the water. And, you know, my apartment has a view of water and it's amazing. So I love that. Nice, nice. And so like if, we want to get, if, if we want to get the book, where we get the book at? 
Uh, it's on Amazon and on Barnes & Noble's website um, on Amazon. You just look up Unseal Your Superpowers by Lauren Brill, and it's on there. Um, and if they want to check out the website, it's theunsealed.com. And if they have any questions, they can email me, lauren at theunsealed.com. Um, but yeah, the book is Unseal Your Superpowers. They can look it up on Barnes & Noble or on Amazon, and it will be there. Awesome, awesome. Well, Lauren, I appreciate you coming on the show, and, and hopefully our conversation can teach people about what you do and, and maybe help them in their life. Yes. Uh, and I don't know if there's anything else that uh, you want to put out to the world, but uh, hopefully we yeah. covered everything. Just if, they, if somebody has a story they want to share, um, check out theunsealed.com. It's a great place to share it. You'll get love. But I think it's a great project and an excellent vision from you. And uh, yeah, this has been Lauren Brill, and I am John Edmonds Cosma, the CEO of Bang Productions. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 